I travel a lot for my job, from going to the States for a big race or traveling to Europe for an event, and I always find myself having to connect to public Wi-Fi, whether that be in airports, hotels, or coffee shops that I visit to do my work, like recording this podcast. When I use these networks, I open myself up to being hacked or worse, having malware injected onto my device. So that's why I like to stay protected with a VPN. The ultimate VPN, that's private internet access. With private internet access, they make sure that during your travels, your online activities remain secure. By encrypting your internet connection, it prevents anyone from intercepting your data or eavesdropping on your online communications. This means you can browse with confidence and peace of mind. So if you want to enjoy all the benefits of private internet access, now's the time to subscribe. Head to piavpn.com slash nailing the apex and get an 83% discount. Seriously, 83%. That's just $2 and three cents a month. And you also get four extra months completely for free, but you must go to piavpn.com slash nailing the apex for a truly private digital life. One last time. That's piavpn.com slash nailing the apex. Get into the action all summer long. Listen to that. Summer. Woo. The season's over. The, the NHL season's over. The NBA season's over. But there's still lots happening in sports interaction, including we got the draft coming up. We got free agency coming up for both of those sports, plus tennis, golf, whatever it is you're into, baseball, all happening right now at sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. You can bet on those things. You can bet on free agency and draft. Exactly. And we're going to actually have to throw a bunch of props up in the Dangles Doozy section as well. Um, and I'll remember, everything's uh, you can do before games, live and play all summer long. Head to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN or download the app to get started. It's 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Welcome to Nailing the Apex, everyone. I'm Tim Haraney. Please head on over to Spotify. Give us a five-star rating and a follow. Same goes with Apple Podcasts as well. Write a review as it really helps us grow the show you can follow me on social media at tim haraney recording this from the mclaren technology center uh that is mclaren's factory and home base this is actually uh, the room i'm in is actually um and sorry if it's a little echoey but the room i'm actually in so this is a this is kind of a broadcast uh booth almost that they've that they've got here uh and it's it's awesome i mean this whole facility is incredible uh, it's pristine beautiful there's not a single piece of dust anywhere every hedge and shrub is perfectly manicured it's it's amazing um absolutely uh amazing Bl blown away about just how cool uh this factory is and how far it spans and everything that's underground and everything that's on top of the ground. I mean, it's incredible. Um, I'll be posting um, videos and pictures and such from uh, Instagram, my Instagram, my TikTok, and my Twitter at Tim Harini uh, when you listen to this. So yeah, head on over to there and ha have a look. Uh, so I was invited by McLaren to take in their unveiling of the... Uh, livery uh, that they'll be running for this weekend's British Grand Prix. So it's a collaboration with their partner, uh, Google, where the car is painted chrome. And if you remember, you know, back in, oh boy, they, you know, they've, they've run a chrome livery paint scheme for many, many years. They've had many world champions race and win in those Formula One cars that ran those chrome liveries as well 
Um, and so, yeah, I got to take part in, in that, uh, got to speak with the drivers and, uh, team boss, Zach Brown, and we'll get into that in a little bit, but, um, the car itself, I mean, looks stunning. It, you know, they, they made sure to keep the, um, papaya orange coloring within the framework of the car. And there were two components as to why they wanted to do that. One of it was weight saving because they can still keep the black carbon fiber. And I think the adding the Chrome may add some weight to the car. And so they wanted to make sure that they weren't going overweight with things when it came to the paint or the, um, the delivery aspects of the race car. And outside of that, the, the other component is, is, and Zach Brown had mentioned this in the uh, media availability that we had with him, was that, you know, papaya was always going to be a part of their heritage and it was always going to be a part of their race cars um, moving forward. I mean, if, if you've noticed ever since Zach Brown actually got to McLaren um, and, you know, they went full papaya uh, for one season on their car, they've done it ever since, and they haven't gone and really done much else in terms of that, making sure that the papaya coloring is still within the livery, and that is basically just a big part of their heritage, and Zach wants to make sure that they uh, stick with that moving forward for, you know, I'm, I'm assuming as long as he's here for. Let's talk about Sunday's Austrian Grand Prix. So... There was some decent racing on the weekend, but at the end of all of it, you know, there was more focus on the things that were happening off track and in particular track limits and the penalties that were incurred. And during the, the race, you know, you saw, you saw a lot of the penalties being handed out for track limits, particularly at turns nine and 10. Um, but yeah, you saw that during the Grand Prix. So following the race, Aston Martin and their sporting director, Andy Stevenson, protested the provisional finishing results of the race. So claiming that the FIA may have missed other drivers who should or could have been penalized for track limits. But the FIA had informed us that you know, they were already in the process of reviewing it as well. So they had over 1,200 reports of potential uh, track limit violations that the FIA had pegged over the course of the Grand Prix. And hours, hours later, it was about five hours later, I would say, following the Grand Prix. And, you know, for, for me, I, I was in a rush. I, I had to catch a flight to the UK. So had to make sure that, you know, we were nailing down our topics on sports center, getting those, um, shot with the hosts. And I was racing out of my condo, uh, trying to get the airport to make my flights so I could get to the UK and then get to this event, uh, at McLaren. But, Hours later, so five hours later, notified that eight drivers had received more penalties. The top three, 
stayed the same. So uh, Verstappen, Charles Leclerc, Sergio Perez, while Lando Norris moved up to fourth, Fernando Alonso moved up to fifth, while Carlos Sainz dropped two spots to sixth, Russell to seventh, Hamilton, he dropped one spot behind his teammates in eighth. Stroll moved up a spot to ninth, while Gasly, he dropped back to tenth. And those are the points-paying positions that we're going to go over just right now, just for the penalties. There were there were others who got penalized as well, but I want to focus on the points-paying positions because it's important. I mean, out of, out of all of it, Aston Martin was able to grab themselves three more points and... Ferrari lost points. Aston Martin remains third in the constructors. They're just three points behind Mercedes in second. And Ferrari, you know, they're still in fourth. Roughly 21 points behind Aston Martin, if my math is correct. 21 points behind Aston Martin. Um, When it was all said and done, you know, we had received a message from the FIA that they would recommend to the circuits that they were cons- that, sorry they recommended to the circuit that the circuit should really consider installing gravel traps at the exit of turn 9 and turn 10 but according to motorsport.com the FIA actually had wanted the circuit officials to install gravel traps for this year's race, so before we even got to this race, but the track officials shot it down. After, you know, all of this, you know, mess, I wouldn't be surprised if things change at this track for, for next year's race. And for those of you who don't know about track limits and especially the unique circumstance of Austria, um, that track in particular, the Red Bull Ring, you know, turn nine, turn 10, they're very inviting for drivers. You know, you can really be aggressive there and, um, you can really take advantage of, of going off track just a bit, not really being penalized in terms of the car being damaged or spinning off or running into gravel, which could slow you down or their sausage curb being there. And, you know, if you're, I'm a racing driver, I'm going to push every single limit that there is out there, whatever that may be. And I think for, you know, the drivers this weekend, you know, not only did they uh, str- uh, struggle with the track limits, I mean, at the same time, very difficult for them to see the, the white line. Consider a couple things. Uh, the elevation of the track turns 9 and 10, where those are. Can they actually see some of them? I mean, 10, maybe yes, but 9, uh, I don't know. Once you commit... You commit, and whatever happens on the exit happens on the exit. And if you're pushing, you can't necessarily see where that white line is. You're you're moving at such a rate of speed, and how low you are in the car, you can't necessarily see where the white line is and how far you've actually gone over it. So uh, I think a natural deterrent has to be added, and I like the fact that the FIA is you know, still discussing things with the Red Bull ring to put some gravel down um, in those particular corners. I mean, I remember when I was racing, you know, we didn't have these concrete patch runoffs. We had gravel, grass, and then into the wall, or you had grass into the into the gravel and you beached the car, or there was straight gravel. 
Um, but yeah, there was always something that you were really going to pay a heavy price for if you overstepped the, the limits of the track and overstepped the limits of the car, which then put you off track. So uh, that was something that you really had to concentrate and navigate. And I'm not saying that these drivers don't have to concentrate and navigate. They most certainly do. It's just the fact that they don't, there's not a huge punishment coming for them if if they do. And so as every driver should push the limits, push the boundaries, uh, see if you get caught. And you know what? I would do the same thing that what these guys are doing um, over the weekend. And, you know, Total Wolf brought up a good point. Bring back the sausage curbs. If we think about that, though, they did try the sausage curbs uh, years ago and it was breaking cars. It was breaking uh, left rear suspension, um, if I'm not mistaken. And they had to remove those sausage curbs. And now they're going with this white line, uh, white, white line stuff. And so, yeah, you put a natural deterrent there and you're not going to have this, you know, what we saw on, on Sunday with finishing results being changed five hours after the race, which is another subject altogether where it's how can we get penalties uh, in that consistency of penalties. How can, how can we get those faster so folks who watch the race and they go away from the race and five hours later those results have changed? Well, a lot of the folks watching the races don't know that. They don't know that the, the results have changed. So they've left thinking one thing and then they return and they learn that there's another thing that happened. And so that's quite confusing for new fans. And I just think there needs to be a rethink on how maybe penalties get handed out or how quickly they get they get handed out. Um, so today on uh, Monday in England at Woking at the McLaren factory, I got to speak with CEO of McLaren, Zach Brown, Lando Norris, their drivers, Lando Norris and Oscar Piastri. And we chatted about a bunch of different things, chatted about the livery unveil. I asked them about what transpired in Austria over the weekend and how could it be fixed so we get results faster. I spoke to them about deterrence for drivers, gravel traps, and a load of other stuff. So I hope you enjoy it. Hello, how are you? Thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Um, just coming off your P4 finish. I mean, you were P5 and then got promoted to P4. 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 Right. Um, how did the car feel? Did the upgrades, like, does it feel like it's going in the right direction? It's going in the right direction. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, of course, a lot of work went into bring, making sure that we had that car for, for then. Um, which is a good thing because there's already some things that we learned that we maybe didn't optimize or, or make as good as it could have been. Uh, just because of the amount of the, the short amount of time that we had to test it and implement it and so on, so already some things that we know we can improve on for this weekend coming. Um, but of course, this upgrade did help us achieve a P4 uh, last weekend, so um, a good sign. Uh, plenty of, uh, of positive things that came from it, not just that the car was quicker, but also the handling was a little bit better. So um, uh, uh, multiple of things, but. Um, plenty, plenty more uh, work, um, and at the same time, still a very clear plan of, of uh, where we need to improve. It did take a while for the FIA to go through all of the processes that they needed to to get the right lap times and everything because we did and to figure out who had penalties and who didn't. Yeah. Uh, do you think there's maybe an easier way of of, uh, of 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 basically getting penalties sorted out sooner rather than an hour or two hours after a race has ended? I know it's a tough question. It's a tough question. Um, 
I'm just the one driving the car at the end of the day, you know. So it's, it's tough. Um, I think everyone kind of needs to come together and try to find solutions. It's not always as easy as, easy as you want it to be. Um, there are corners where there are punishments enough if you go a little bit wide, but you still get a penalty, even if you run that little bit wide. Um, gravel is a penalty enough in a Formula 1 car. So um, some corners, you know, they just can use a bit of common sense and there doesn't need to be these rules for some certain corners. Um, for like the last two corners, it's, it's a very tricky one to say, but we'll, we'll work with things. Um, we'll work with the FIA and try and come up with solutions. Um, but yeah, I, I did a good job with it, so um, I don't need to talk about it much, and, and my focus is already on Silverstone. So uh, talking about the uh, Google Chrome color that we have on the car here uh, for today, I mean, there's been a ton of really great drivers who have raced with yeah. that Chrome on the McLaren. Uh, I mean, obviously Oscar Piastri's great teammate, he's your teammate now, but if you were to go back into the past, drivers that have run that particular color, is there any certain driver you would like to be a teammate of in the past? In yeah. the past, um, I mean, of, of all the past, I, I, I would refer I all the way back to Cross Senna, that kind of era. Um, but people who drove the the Chrome car, you know, I, I grew up oh seven oh eight was when I really started getting into Formula One. And that was the big battle of Lewis versus Fernando. Even though they were teammates, it was Lewis versus Fernando. So um, any of them, you know, like uh, I would love to have competed against Lewis. And uh, I mean, kind of doing away now. And, and same with Fernando. They're both some of the best drivers which have ever been in Formula One. Um, so to, to be alongside them, to work with them, or I guess against them, is always a, an honor at the same time. But Fernando and Lewis are the guys that kind of really got me into F1, got me into McLaren. Um, and I'm not just saying that because I'm with McLaren now, but like I, I love the just the crime living. It was the coolest one. And when you're young, you just want to do whatever's cool. And, uh, and that, for me, that was the coolest thing. So that got me into McLaren, and ever since I've been a McLaren fan. Um, and now I kind of get to relive it with a modern twist. I get to relive what I inspired to be a McLaren driver and a Formula One driver, and I think that's a pretty uh, cool story to, to tell. Thanks very much for your time, Randall. Cheers. Thanks so much. Cheers. Joined by Oscar Piastri. Oscar, thanks so much for taking the time to do this. Um, Talking about the weekend, I mean, you've probably been asked about it a hundred times already about the penalties and everything getting handed out and how long it took to get those penalties distributed. Do you think there's any way of like speeding that <laughs> process up at all? Um, I think if we put in like maybe like timing loops, um, then it can make it automatic, but the problem is you've got to make sure that they're reliable. Um, and I think we've experimented with that before and there's been a few issues so um, yeah obviously I think I saw there was like 1,200 things they had to look at which you know for the stewards when there's, there's three or four of them it's an impossible task to do it um, as they come in so um, I think you know we need to work on something a bit better um, to, to do it better obviously it's never ideal for anyone to find out four or five hours after the race that, that the results changing so yeah, I think as a sport we need to find a better solution um, to track limits in the first place as opposed to you know, finding a better way to, to handle the, the, the violations. So um, we'll see. I think Austria is very unique for that where you know, it's obviously a difficult one with MotoGP racing there as well. It's, it's always tricky to find a solution. So we'll try our best with the FIA, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, I think the rest of the year, I'm not too concerned we'll have a, a repeat of that. Is that is it possible to lay down like temporary gravel in a, in a section li like that? Because I mean, I've 
wouldn't see why that wouldn't be a bad idea of how you would lay down sort of temporary gravel on 9 and 10, and then when the race is over, you immediately remove it. It could work, yeah. Um, I think it's just a matter of cost and, and you know, removing it. And obviously, you know, there needs to be a lot of gravel. You can't just have a, a top layer because it'll just go everywhere. And, um, you know, also with the asphalt, I don't know if they can put the gravel on top of that. Um, you know, I think if you put enough gravel on there, it's probably higher than the, the track surface. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I think we definitely need to look at a solution. I don't know what that solution is, but... Um, yeah, obviously, I don't think anyone wants a repeat of what we saw on the weekend. So, uh, when I, I flew in this morning, very jet-lagged. Mm. I don't know how you deal with all of that, but aside from that, I, a- ashes, everybody keeps saying ashes. Can you just explain to me, like, what that is? Because, like, it's cricket, right? Yeah, it's cricket. It's uh, England versus Australia. It's, um, I think, the longest um, rivalry in cricket. Um, and, yeah, it happens every every year or two. Um, this year's being played in England. The next Ashes series will be in Australia and swaps like that. Um, so yeah, it's probably the biggest series in, in cricket. So um, yeah, Australia's winning 2-0 at the moment. There's a few controversial moments on the weekend. So uh, yeah, it's a good time to be an Aussie fan. So are you a cricket fan? Like are you, like, am, are you yeah. into it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. All right, yeah. Cool. Um, looking at the uh, Chrome that you've got on the car for uh, this weekend, there's been a lot of uh, incredible drivers who. Uh, raced in the McLaren with the uh, chrome livery on it. If you, I know Lando Norris is your teammate, he's awesome. But if you were to go back in time and team up with one of those great drivers who was in that particular chrome-looking car, does anyone come to mind you, you'd like to participate with? Um, I mean, when I grew up watching the chrome livery uh, for McLaren, it was mainly Lewis. Um, Lewis and Jensen, I think, were the two at the time. Um, so if I was to pick someone, obviously Fernando was there in 2007. Um, I think I'd probably go with Lewis. You know, seven-time world champion, um, most wins in the sport. It's um, yeah, I'd probably go with him. Uh, obviously, I have to try and beat him week in, week out now, so it's tricky. But um, yeah, you know, I think his results speak for themselves. Oscar, thanks for your time. Cheers, thank you. Zach, how are you? Good, good. Yeah, too bad. Good, good. Uh, joined by Zach Brown. Zach, I mean, this is a pretty uh, great color. A ton of great drivers dra- drove with the, the, you know, the chrome color of McLaren. If you were to go back to the past and single out any one particular driver that really stood out to you, driving that particular color, chrome, who would stand out the most? Because there was a lot. There was a win. Four world champions that uh, drove a chrome car. Uh, my favorite is Mika Hakkinen, uh, and he won obviously the championship in '98, '99 in a in a in a chrome car. So, uh, but obviously Lewis and Jensen and Fernando uh, all drove chrome. Uh, Lewis won his first world championship in these colors. So it's pretty uh, pretty cool looking car. I just want to talk to you about what happened on the weekends. I mean, I have to ask, but. Um, in regards to like all of the penalties, how it got sorted out, how long it took to get sorted out, is there any way that maybe in the future there could be an easier, quicker way of getting penalties sorted out? Like considering the race ended, you know, an hour yeah. afterwards. Yeah. I think uh, my two guys kept it within the white lines, so everyone did have that that option. Uh, the majority didn't take that option, so that would be one solve. Um, Obviously, the track's a bit unique. We've never seen anything like that before. I think what we could do, yes, there's learnings. 
I think we could have anticipated that because on Friday we were already starting to to get a high degree of track limit. So I think we need to sit back and look and go, right, Spa, we saw some issues coming. We didn't handle that well on Sunday. You date back to the tire fiasco at Indy. We saw that coming, didn't handle that well. So this is something where we knew on Friday there was a, a, a problem, whether it's um, changing the rules, expediting the penalties. What, you know, I, I think that's what we need to discuss is how can we do a better job. But should we have races ending that five years later you've got a, a big change in results? No, and I think there's a variety of ways to address that moving forward. I mean, obviously I'm from North America, so you know, I, with sports and the NBA, NHL, and NFL, you know, we, we get results like immediately with penalties and such like that. And obviously you know that. Do you have any ideas on how that process could move like a little faster? Well, it, it depends, you know, on, on technology, you know, the, the pace in which they were coming and being reported, especially when you get back to the last five races. What happens if someone does it on the last lap? You know, you literally wouldn't have enough time no matter what technology. So I think you need to look at the, the track, which is what the FIA has suggested. Uh, maybe look at the rules. You know, there are tracks where track limits are in place and others that aren't and you got to look are they getting a competitive advantage um and so yeah i think there are different ways to uh, address it but that's what we need to sit down and talk through is what is the best way to fix it just want to actually about uh, alex below i mean obviously he's dominating an indycar right now rarely do we see indycar drivers in this particular generation like win as much as they do within a season like when do formula one teams like Aside from McLaren, you know, like when do Formula One teams really start taking a look at an IndyCar driver for a full-time ride in F1? You know, I don't know. I mean, we, you know, that's certainly not our view. I think someone like Alex and Pato Award and Joseph Newgarden and obviously Rossi was in in Formula One. I think they're very capable drivers. I think uh, some Formula One teams don't kind of look beyond what happens at a Formula One weekend, and maybe some are missing uh, an opportunity. Thanks very much, Zach, for your time. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Big thanks to McLaren for the invite and the opportunity. Really appreciate it. Um, it was awesome, and it's these are this is one of those memories that'll stick with me forever for sure. Coming, you know, getting to be here. I mean, it's uh, it's wild. I never thought in a million years I'd get get this opportunity. So it's 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 been a lot of fun. It's been great, and I really appreciate it. And um, I love. Uh, what the car looks like is badass. I love it. Um, and this actually, you know, the, the livery, this, these livery changes, it got me thinking and it raised a bunch of questions. And I, I, I wonder if F1 can really lean into livery changes for special events and races. Luke Smith from the athletic and Nate Saunders from ESPN, F1, they actually brought up to Zach during our media event with him some um, pretty interesting things about that. You know, if we look at um, NFL, NBA, throwback night um, with jerseys and team jerseys, um, special event jerseys, and if we look at the cars, well, how is a car really that different? I mean, obviously, you've got the branding, right? You've got the sponsorship, but in terms of the actual color, livery, the look, what different things can you do with it? And I think this, it really reminded me of when McLaren did that golf livery for the Monaco Grand Prix a few years ago, and 
absolutely crushed it. It looked incredible. And then for this year, the triple crown liveries that they offered into IndyCar for Felix Rosenquist, Alexander Rossi, Patricio Award, Tony Kanaan, that looked spectacular. And then you look at the overall concept of the triple crown livery that they they ran this year on the F1 cars, just stunning stuff, but it's really unique and it stands out. And I like what Zach does with the liveries and trying different things with, with the cars. And I would like to see F1 really lean into, lean into that a little bit more and encourage teams to think about throwback liveries and can they achieve, achieve that and what it would look like, because I really think it would bring, uh, just another aspect to to the to the events, right? I mean, there's already lots of aspects for sure. Don't get me wrong, but I just think that would just add this extra little bit of something to these to these cars for you know special races, you know, for like you know the one they're doing, uh, you know, partnering up with Google to do a Chrome car because Google has their Chrome browser. I mean, it's just that works. That is smart. It works, but it. it, it it's really genius and I, I love it and I, I wish we could see more of it. I'm excited to see what Williams does with their golf livery on their Williams cars later this year. Um, but uh, aside from that, McLaren obviously bringing the upgrades to the car um, for the Austrian Grand Prix and Zach feels like the battle for, for fifth uh, in the championship and battling with Alpine is definitely on is basically what he had told us during our uh, media availability with him. Um, Lando had the big upgrade on his car in, in Austria and Oscar will get it this weekend for the British Grand Prix. But I mean, the car, you know, at the beginning of the season, I was pretty hard at McLaren in terms of like where they were and could they, could they possibly get any higher than, you know, eighth, ninth, 10th in the constructors championship because of just how poorly the car was, but they have made a monumental change to this car that has been uh, very exciting to, to watch. And it's like I had always said when it came to the, um, when it came to uh, the regulation and how fast teams can catch up. And I've always made examples of Aston Martin from last season. And, you know, we look at McLaren and what they're doing now. I mean, it, it looks strong. It looks strong in high speed corners. They've looked very competitive over the past few races. The upgrade that they brought um, into uh, Austria. I mean, it, it looks like it works and, that's got to be scary for a team like Alpine, you know. It, may, it might also be scary for a team like Aston Martin if they're not able to, you know, bring more upgrades to the car sooner so they can be competitive sooner. Uh, so this whole midfield battle and that battle for second in the constructors and third, fourth, fifth, maybe even sixth. I mean, this is all really interesting, and it's it's been actually I've really enjoyed that part of it just to see how fast these teams are making these big turnovers with their upgrades and how aggressive they've been. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of cool to see because in the past, you know, we definitely would not see something like this. Um, but, uh, yeah, it'll be, 
it'll be cool to see McLaren this weekend at the British Grand Prix. I think they're going to be competitive because they're, they have a car that is very strong in high speed corners. Silverstone has a lot of those. I'm excited for that. Ferrari, uh, showing great competitiveness. You know, Spain, they introduced that upgrade. Charles Leclerc struggles with it, but Carlos Sainz looks like he got on top of it in terms of the race pace, the tire degradation, understanding that very quickly. It was a little inconsistent in his second stint in Spain. Uh, but the first stint, it looked like he kind of had it figured out. But then in Canada, again, right, Carlos was very strong in the race. Leclerc was also good in the race as well. Then in Austria, Friday, both drivers, and again, they brought an upgrade for that car. I believe it was the front wing. Um, both, you know, both drivers look good on Friday. Uh, both drivers, you know, top three in quality, solid stuff. Both were really strong on Sunday. Um, I would say that opening stint, you know, Science was probably the quicker driver, a little faster than Charles. Um, and I think the team, should have let him pass Leclerc to see what he could have done. I mean, this is kind of the first time we've ever really seen another team actually challenge Verstappen in a race. I mean, obviously it wasn't like super close, but there was a challenge and it did happen. And I'm just curious to see what could have happened if science had have gotten let go. And if they had have nailed his strategy a little bit better um, than what they did. Um, I think, you know, Carlos wasn't happy, you know, about any of that stuff following the race. And he's been really strong in, in, in the Grand Prix. He has, can't say that he hasn't. He's been, you know, I would say, I would say he's stronger than Charles Leclerc in terms of that race pace. And, um, then you get a phone call in the middle of a podcast. Uh, I would say he's been really strong uh, in race pace compared to that of Charles Leclerc. I mean, Leclerc's one lap quality pace has been, I mean, lights out. He's been fantastic. But I think, you know, in the races, that's where he scored the points, right? Uh, another interesting topic that came up during the, the weekend, um, you know, F1 uh, car plans for, for 2026. Uh, to give you a bit of context for this, uh, so for 2026, the power unit – and most likely the chassis regulations are going to change uh power unit for sure um put you know power unit would be 50-50 and what i mean by that, by that would be 50% internal combustion engine and 50% um power from the battery uh, going into this entire thing gone will be the mgu uh, H, but the MGUK that is going to stick around. Now, the MGUH, so motor generator unit heat, so that's where the battery harvests energy from the heat coming off engine, turbo, all that kind of stuff. Uh, MGUK is from kinetic, so a lot of the braking energy. Uh, the MGUH is very expensive, and it sounds like OEMs, you know, they have no use for it. So no real road relevance. I mean, and that means that the MGUK will do a lot of the heavy lifting. And I think the target for that is about 450 to 470 horsepower. I mean, it's not even close to that right now. It's just over 150 horsepower, I believe. Um, so they've got a lot of work catching up to do on, on that front, but that's a lot of horsepower to 
pump out from, you know, the MG UK. Now, the other part of this is the chassis regulations, which aren't, like I'd said, set in stone just yet, but hearing a lot of talk about active aerodynamics um, that will move, right? Aerodynamics moving uh, that will help, you know, combat dirty air, you know, coming off cars in front and will aid in overtaking and, and better racing. Now, Christian Horner brought up a, a point and thought that there should be some urgent attention, you know, brought to uh, the, uh, the, the rationale of the combustion power and electric power to ensure that they aren't uh, creating, in his words, a technical Frankenstein. So his point to the issue that's movable arrow and what drivers need to do um, and how that would change, would need to change actually to achieve uh, the right energy regeneration with the battery. And I think like, you know, Verstappen kind of hit the nail on the head of what Horner was saying, where Verstappen, you know, suggested um, from simulations that as the car gets closer to a corner off a very, very long straight, um, the driver would have to downshift on the straight because that would be the faster way. Uh, you get more power from it. Uh, and essentially, if we're talking about, you know, purist racing, you never downshift on a straightaway. You just don't do that. You go slower. So that is something that, you know, Horner and Verstappen had spoken about during the weekend. But Total Wolf, you know, jumped in and said that, you know, Red Bull was more or less starting a bit of a political game just in case, you know, maybe Ford uh, who Red Bull is partnered with for, for 2026 in terms of the PU, um, may not be able to perform at that level. Wolf said, quote, I think what frightens him more maybe is that his engine program is not coming along and then maybe he wants to kill it. Uh, the rules, he means that way. So you always have to question what's the real motivation to say anything like that. He continued uh, we have developed these regulations over many years with all of the auto manufacturers being involved. It was a compromise that attracted Audi to finally join the sport and for Honda to stay in as well. This is the best possible case that one could imagine for F1, end quote. Uh, he's not wrong in terms of getting more OEMs on board, but it's like I said, that sometimes may not be a good thing, but we'll wait and see what happens. Outside of that, you know, Horner was saying that they may have to dial back how much battery is a part of the car. He suggested that maybe dial back, you know, five to 10% of that battery to uh, ICE. So internal combustion engine. Uh, it, it definitely an interesting conversation, interesting topic as well. Uh, I'm quite fascinated to see kind of what they do with these aerodynamic regulations moving forward. Not sure what arrow like active arrow is going to be like, like, is that, is that a big driver aid? Right. And what is that like? What does that look like? Cause I mean, I, I am a, in terms of the racing, I am a bit of a purist in that sense because I was a driver and I know how difficult it is. And it's kind of like, well, I don't, I don't want it to make it easy on these drivers either. I want to see them at the peak of their ability, but if active arrow is going to play a role in making things a little easier, uh, me personally, I don't think I'm for that, but you know, it'll, it'll have to be explained to me a little bit more in depth to, to sort of get me on board with it. If that's the direction that's going to go in. Um, 
Lewis Hamilton contract update. Uh, Wolf had said, you know, no announcement on Lewis Hamilton's uh, Mercedes contract just yet. There probably won't be any announcement before the British Grand Prix either. Uh, but Total's still very confident that Lewis is coming back with, with the team. Um, mentioned that the discussion between them and paraphrasing here, all of this is that, you know, the, the discussion between the two of them now is not so much about money, but it's about other things off track. I'm assuming, uh, future, uh, Lewis's future brand ambassador things. These are all things I'm thinking of. Uh, I think it has something to do with that. Maybe Lewis wants like a brand ambassador role with the team for a longer period of time. Maybe that's what the negotiation is about. Maybe how much money is there? going to be offered for that as well. That's one of the things I can think of. Um, but yeah, watch this space for more because there is more coming down the pipeline soon. Uh, let's head on over to Twitter because uh, there were some questions uh, from Josh. Max Verstappen pitting to get the fastest lap with his giant lead of a season is just an ego play, right? Question mark. Uh, I mean, he wants to get as many points in the bag as possible. Um, and having that type of a lead, if you're going to come in, you got to make sure the crew's going to execute it. They're not going to mess it up. And you also have to make sure if you're max, you're going to go out there and execute and get that fastest lap. So again, you know, the driver's working at a very high capacity uh, to get things done. And yeah, Verstappen has been extremely impressive this year. Um, thoughts on Jensen Button. This is from Don. Uh, Chris in the, at Chris in the six thoughts on Jensen button switching the NASCAR seems to be doing a few road street courses. I don't even follow NASCAR much. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not, I don't follow NASCAR much either. Uh, I have been on a couple press calls with Jensen about the NASCAR opportunities that he's been getting and just listening in on those. Uh, you know, he is very excited about NASCAR and what he's doing there. He's really enjoying his time. It sounds like the 24 hours of Lamar was a big success for them. He really enjoyed that opportunity. Uh, and again, yeah, the stuff in Chicago as well, he looked solid. So could he make a full-time move to NASCAR? I don't see why not. The thing is, is that with Formula Car drivers, so drivers who have raced a lot in like Formula One, IndyCar, uh, open wheel racing, it's really tough to go from that into a NASCAR because the NASCAR has got a lot of body roll to it compared to that of a Formula One car, which you're used to. Same with go-karts. It's very stiff. Um, NASCAR, not so much. So I would be curious to see how he does on ovals. I think that's a totally different beast for him in terms of the driving style. So, yeah, that would be cool to see. Um, John Ross Harvey, how would you make Spa safer at Radio? Oh, man. Uh, you know, obviously sad what happened with Delano on the, on the weekend, you know, it was, uh, yeah, that's very, it was very sad. Um, safer at radio, you know, they've done quite a bit of work there to begin with. Um, what could, what else could you do? Like the, the question is, is like how much further back can you move the runoff? Like, I'm not too sure. I don't, I don't know. I don't have that answer. I mean, if you move it back more, are you getting close to like a hill, a steep drop off? And if so, you can't really push the track back any further. Um, I haven't uh, really seen the crash. I don't want to really watch it either. But uh, from what I've heard, the conditions were quite bad. So in Spa, it's uh, a lot of hanging mist and rain. And with Formula cars, you get massive rooster tails. 
um, coming off the cars. And so, you know, there are things I think they need to look at in terms of should these cars be racing uh, in conditions that are treacherous in terms of the rain. I mean, you saw what happened in 2021 spa, they canceled the race essentially. Uh, and now the FIA is working with the teams to develop these mud guards for the cars that they can easily slap on. And hopefully that stops with the rooster tails. I believe they're going to be testing these things next week after the British Grand Prix. Uh, at Silverstone, they're going to be wetting part of the track and they're going to be slapping mud guards on a few of the cars and seeing how much uh, spray they're getting to see if the mud guards do anything to keep the spray down. Because if they can keep the spray down, that means your visibility is way better, which helps a lot. Uh, Parth Lad, with last week's news of Ryan Reynolds and co becoming co owners of Alpine, what do you think has held Renault? And Team Enstone from reaching their potential finances. That uh, I really just think it's just finances. How much has Renault really financed into this? How much money have they given to the program? Uh, what does that infrastructure look like? How much does that infrastructure need to change? That was the other thing that I wondered. Uh, at uh, Diana Leifer, uh, what's easier, more slash more entertaining and less frustrating? My suggestion is to widen. The Red Bull ring exit from turn 10 rather than continuing to penalize drivers for track limits there. That's a great. That, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I never thought about that. Um, that's definitely something that could work, and I wouldn't see why not. Uh, there would definitely have to be some restructuring there. There, You would have to see, like, again, you know, same thing kind of like with Spa. You know, what's on the opposite side of the wall? Is that a grandstand? that's there can that grandstand be moved how far back can it be moved how expensive is that to move that giant grandstand is it permanent some of these grandstands are permanent and they're they can't move them uh so those would be questions that the circuit would have to ask themselves and what they would need to do uh thanks very much everyone for listening and, and watching if you're watching uh, apologies for the uh this you know the decor uh, in in here i know it's uh i know it's different but um hey I got to go the, to, to McLaren and I got this great opportunity. Uh, get to go to the British Grand Prix this weekend. Uh, follow along um, on my social medias on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and also on our YouTube channel with Nailing the Apex. Also, please head on over to Spotify. Give us a five-star rating and a follow. Same goes with Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. Uh, thanks very much again, everyone, for watching and listening. And I will be back later this week with more podcasts and more interesting interviews coming at you later.